You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode 30 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Pimp Cron, and as always, I am joined by a bevy of different guests that cover all of our different segments. And we aim to ignite the flame of hobby in all of you, and we cater to casual and fluff gamers. In no particular order tonight, we have a bunch of topics to cover. We have a, well, here's an idea, live from Shorehammer. It's a leftover segment uh, that was part of our live discussion at Shorehammer, talking about how fear no longer takes any part in 40k in this current edition. We also have a Want That or Want That Not with Cron Jr. and I. It's always good to have the little guy on, and we discuss the Flesh Eater Court's uh, Endless Spells. For the Tesseract Mailbox tonight, I have a special mystery guest, and they will be helping us read the letter from Germany from our friend Vincent in Germany. And uh, he has a couple corrections to make that we've made jokes about Germany in the past, and he has has a couple bones to pick with us. So we've got that. Also, we have WAC player, uh, win-at-all-cost players, WAAC players, and their tricks. Uh, A lot of the things that we've noticed they do over the years, and sometimes they try to hide themselves as non-WAC players. So that's very interesting, and that will be a good handbook for any of you when dealing with new people. You might be thinking, man, this guy seems really nice, but he's a real asshole when we start playing. I wonder why that is. Well, I'll tell you why that is. It's because he... Have a he is a secret whack player, and we also cover in the let's get brutal with the pimp crown segment. There is a new version of brutality out, which adds a whole new layer of customization to your models. And of course, I'm talking about my 28 millimeter free rules use your own models skirmish war game with RPG light elements called Brutality Skirmish War Game. And uh, we have version 3.4 out. It's not quite a new edition because all the core rules are still the same, but. I like to, uh, balance is the most important thing to me, and uh, it's still very balanced, but we're adding an extra layer of customization and tactics to it, so you can literally make any character you'd ever want for this game, Bugs Bunny, Spider-Man, uh, Dexter from Dexter's Lab, G.I. Joe, Mickey Mouse, I don't care. What do we have in uh, casual talk for me tonight? Uh, what have I been up to? I've been playing my Grey Knights, as I've told you. I have biz- been busy playing my Grey Knights. And I have played seven games with my Grey Knights. And I lost the first one. I barely lost the second one. And then I've won the last five games straight. So, for all those haters that say Games Workshop has uh, screwed Grey Knights, I mean, they have relatively to other armies, but they are not an unplayable army. So, suck it. And uh, I also, it's weird because I've went probably all of 2008 without giving battle honors. And the moment that I say, hey, I'm going to start telling you guys when I get battle honors because it's so few and far between, I have a battle honor last week and now I have a battle honor this week. So a five-man Grey Knight Strike Squad uh, was fighting Astra Militarum and we were fighting over an objective for that turn. And the five-man Strike Squad got assaulted by 10 Guardsmen and a Commissar with a Power Sword, and a Company Commander. And like you know, five three-up saves, you know, single wound strike squad, they're, it's pretty easy to fail three-up saves. Especially when you're dealing with, um, what, 10, 11, 12 Guardsmen attacks, several Commissar Power Sword attacks, and a Company Commander attack. But the final person surviving this unit um, did get bad honors because... They survived two full close combat rounds. I lost three people in the first round, and we killed the company commander. And then the second round, we lost the second to last person, the fourth person. And this final guy, which of course was my sergeant, slaughtered the commissar. I mean, completely beheaded him, because they do D3 damage each. And he he did terrible things to this lord commissar. So, um, he survived the battle and he will definitely be getting battle honors and taking a place in my uh in my halls of i don't know halls of fame yeah it's a halls of fame there's the phrase and that's about it so i think we'll start the show now let's open the tesseract mailbox Hello, everybody. It's time for the Tesseract Mailbox. I'm Pimpcron, and I'm reading a message from Vincent, and he writes, 
hey, I just listened to one of your podcasts, and if you were wondering where the pronunciation of Gauss is coming from, that's actually German too, just like Nulm. If you recall, a couple episodes ago, we had an issue where uh, we discussed all the ways that we're improperly pronouncing uh, words in Warhammer, and uh, I've always said Nulm, it's actually Nulm, because it's a German word, and I always said Gauss, and it's actually Gauss, because according to Vincent, that is also a German word. He says, and ad- as for a matter of fact, German strip clubs don't have glass dancing tables. Best wishes from Germany. And by the way, I enjoy your podcast a lot. So uh, we've got a little more to say about that. But um, uh, I just want to recap real quick and say that the reason why he's mentioning uh, the poop tables in German strip clubs, the alleged poop tables, we mentioned that in the episode where we were talking, uh, Kron et and I were talking about where in the world is Loremaster Alex? And, uh, so I just wanted to re- Oh my god, it's Loremaster Alex! That's right! Oh, 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 that warp dust. Yeah, I've been in the warp for a little while. How's wow. it going? where have you been, Loremaster? Oh, uh, you know. Shit kissing hands, shaking babies. <laughs> I think we finally said the Loremaster's name too many times. Uh, because just like Bloody Mary, if you say his name three times in a bathroom with the lights out and turn around, he'll be there. Also, if you say syphilis multiple times, I can show up as well. Really? Yeah, you'd be surprised. That's a pro tip for yeah. summoning Loremaster Alex. Gonorrhea, uh, gonorrhea, gonorrhea. <laughs> yes? Oh, damn, damn, I got Just James. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, what we were covering, Loremaster, is um, uh, Vincent wrote in from Germany and said that what we were claiming that you were doing in strip clubs with glass tables was not actually accurate. Really? Yes. He says, uh, now this is on uh, Facebook Messenger, so it went back and forth. Uh, you know, you can reach me at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron or our phone number that nobody ever calls. And uh, so we, I said, uh, thanks for listening, Vincent. German strip clubs seem less cool now that you've cleared that up because he says that German strip clubs do not have poop tables. Yeah, I mean, usually you gotta go to Amsterdam for that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, actually, he claims that German strip clubs are shit, mate. That's why people here go to the Czech Republic for such kinky stuff. Haha, <laughs> it's the real deal. So, uh, it sounds like to me this guy's got a little bit of uh, experience in this matter. Yeah, that I it, he apparently plays Warhammer, but he probably also... Uh, I mean, for all you know, they probably play Warhammer with strippers. That that could be true. I mean, strippers gotta have some downtime. I mean, have you ever thought about strip model losses? Strip model, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, most people that play this hobby don't want to be seen. Na- uh, you don't want to see them naked. So yeah. that's that's part of it. Um, I mean, I want everybody to see me naked, though. I know you do at any <laughs> any given opportunity. Which is why I'm not wearing pants right now. I hadn't even noticed yet. that, but yeah. I wish you'd get off my chair now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seriously, though, you know, they'll, uh, they'll right, sit on the chair bare, bare ass. Fucking bitch in a moment. Um. So, he says that, um, now of course I'm going to have to paraphrase this because this is through various uh, different messages and he apparently was using like a text-to-speech, I mean speech-to-text device, which is what I use for my texting, and some of it's gibberish. So, he says, uh, to be honest, I feel that the way tabletop and stuff like D&D is treated totally different in Central Europe compared to the U.S., For example, we don't have that huge of distances between stores. Like, for example, no one would have to travel 50 miles or something uh, to their next gaming store, apart from people living deep in the countryside, like the people you would usually play with live very close. Now, um, I'll stop right there for a moment. And, you know, it is true that, you know, the U.S. is quite a bit like Russia. I think it's less like Russia distance wise, but we are very spread out. Like, you know, there's of course, there's metropolitan areas, suburbs and whatnot. But there are vast open areas, like especially in the Midwest, where it's just freaking desert forever. Yeah. And I'm sure they have a real hard time getting gaming stores and things oh, like God, that. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where because, you know, those areas are so far spread out, it's very difficult to build up a base of players. Yeah, a community. Yeah. Um, like, uh, some of the guys that we were talking to at Shorehammer, the ones e- even in northern Maryland, they're like, yeah, we actually don't even play at stores. We usually just play in the garage. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's a have shame. Have to play at a friend's house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we nearly are like that. We've I've said before, we live our area, our 50-mile radius area, um, you know, an hour's drive is pretty much a, a null zone for gaming. Yeah. Like, it's not... I mean, know, I drive, what, 40 minutes to get to the game store? You drive 40 minutes. When I first started at store number one, oh, God. I drove 40 minutes. It was closer to you, but it was yeah. farther from me. 20 minutes for me back then. Was it? Until Chairgate. Until Chairgate. <laughs> 
And then, um, uh, and now my drive is about 25, 30 minutes and yours is 40. And yeah. almost everyone in our group travels about a half hour yeah. to, to get to the store. And that's not like a stab at, at people who, who don't have a store to go to. Like those guys, they tell me like that they have a garage that they play in. I'm like, I'm envious. I wish I had a garage that I could play in. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have a workbench next to my bed where I work on things. And let me tell you something. There's not anything great when you're done dremeling down something and you climb into bed to go to sleep. And that piece that shot off in the <laughs> darkness stabs you in the lower spine. There you go. Um, so it also he also says that um, Warhammer 40K and Age of Sigmar have grown kind of popular compared to how it used to be 10 years ago when I started collecting and playing. He said that he thinks it is because of the ways that the community is supported through GW and from YouTube channels and podcasts like the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. He said that uh, people here tend to go for analog games, you know, like board games and whatnot. And we've got kind of a 90s revival going on, which helps board games, pen and paper, and wargaming a lot in growth and acceptance. The problem that I've seen here in Munich is the absolutely strange behavior of the guys that work and spend their time in the local gaming stores. I'm actually from Ireland, and they're, the people there tend to be more inviting and nice and explaining, and most importantly, not fake. Here in Munich, it's the total opposite. That's why people who choose to stay in the hobby and are normal go to the gaming clubs or privately play. Right. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's he apparently is from Ireland and lives in Germany. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So, um... But yeah, I can understand that, you know, and that's... I, it's a shame that it's like that there in, in Munich, especially. Um, I wish it was more, like you say, like in Ireland. You know, our store is very much very inviting in, like... Like, just last Wednesday, we had a guy come down from Albany, New York, just because he was down for training in our area for his job, uh-huh. and he saw, he heard that we play Warhammer there, so he came over, and we invited him right in, didn't we? Like, he sat around, he got to sit in, watch a couple games, because he's a brand new player. Yeah, you talked to him, you showed the uh, kit bashes you were making, things like that. Yeah, just and, we, and everybody there was very inviting, very friendly to him. And uh, it's a shame when you go to a new game store, because I've had that experience where I've gone to a game store and, like, tried to interject, like, hey, what are you guys playing? And they all give you that laser beam death stare. Yeah, or as soon as you walk in, you know, our game store number two used to be like that. Not for our Wargaming group, but years ago, before I was ever into Warhammer, I would go in there to, like, buy hero clicks or magic cards or whatever, and it was very, very clicky. The minute yeah. you the door goes ding, ding, and you walk in... It's like everyone gasps and stares at you. And yeah. I always felt it was very unwelcoming. Well, it was like, kind of like they were expecting one of their friends. And then when it's not one of their <laughs> friends, like, fuck you. Intruder. Yeah. Intruder. Yeah. So yeah. it's... Um, ass. <laughs> so uh, he does say that uh, people in Munich tend to be very uh, power gamery, too. Well, they're they're not super casual things like that. So yeah. um he says they seem to take it very seriously. But then again, I think that's everywhere. Like we have this this uh it's like two different species of gamers. You have yeah. the casual gamers and then you have the people that try to win all the time. Yeah. And um you can call them wax or whatever. But there's you know obviously ma- many different levels of gamers like that in each yeah. category. And even like you see that in other genres too like video gaming, there's the casual player or the guy who likes to play for fun. And there's those guys who do not, you know, play the game unless they can crush your face in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So. Um, so, and I feel also, just because I, I, you know, I have family who live in Germany, and um, my cousin constantly flies out to Germany like every three months to go and visit his family over there. Really? Yeah. He says that there is a very much a lack of humor. Well, yeah, Germans are known for kind of being... I mean, if nothing else, their language sounds very harsh yeah. and very stern. Yeah, like you, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, the the old saying, "It's German humor; it's no laughing matter." <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, I feel like that might be the cause of that. Is that you know, it's very much that they want to be the best at what they do, and yeah. that's that's not that's nothing that's not bad. No, but at the same time, it can be off putting. Yeah. So this was um. I really appreciate you writing in, Vincent, because um, it's neat to, number one, hear from somebody from across the Atlantic, which is pretty awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for writing in, man. And um, it's also really cool to hear, you know, what their what their uh, community's like over there. And he said, like, they're getting more into board games and RPGs and stuff, pen and paper, which is actually just like uh, the U.S. as well. Yeah, because there's definitely been a major renaissance. In one of his messages, he mentioned Stranger Things and their whole effect on the new D&D revival. And it's the same thing here. Like, people... Yeah. 
Um, if you ask uh, JD, our local store owner, he says that um, you know people come in every week and buy D and D stuff. People he's never seen before. They yeah. just walk in and buy you know the handbook or whatever. Yeah. And um, that's that's pretty cool. So anyway, thanks for writing in, Vincent. I appreciate it. And um, if you ever feel the need to message us at all, uh, just go ahead and do that. Want that or want that not? Whoa, what time is it, Cron Jr.? It is want that or want that not. Yeah, but what time is it? Oh, what time is it? Well, it says it's 11.42 a.m. <laughs> oh, you take me too seriously. All right, well, it's time for a Want That or Want That Not, and today we are discussing... What are we discussing, Cron Jr.? We are discussing Endless Spells Flesh Eater Courts. There you go. So it's a new set of Endless Spells for Flesh Eater Courts, in case you didn't get that from the title. Well, yeah. <laughs> so you come with... Uh, what's the first thing you see up top there? First thing I see up top there is that it's $35 for two pieces of terrain and one model, which is pretty good uh, being on GW standards. <laughs> About 11-something apiece, yeah. Um, so, what what's that first thing, though, up top? First thing up top is, How would like you describe some, it? I don't know, some floating cup? It's with, a floating cup, sure. <laughs> um, with blood ri- rising off the ground or something? Uh-huh. And, uh, I, uh, looking at the abilities of this, I mean, it's, it's okay. I don't, it's, it's all right. But, uh, it's a pretty neat looking spell. It seems like all the new endless spells for all the armies seem like they always have some sort of cup or a cornucopia or some sort of, like, food related. (laughs) I don't know why that is. It's like, hey, y'all, you thirsty in the battle? Here's some Gatorade. And all the people run up to it and slurp from this giant cup of Gatorade. Oh, it's, okay. it's weird. Uh, it's like an animated water boy. It just floats around. Um, so what about the second model? What's the second oh, model second on the set? second model, it's this cute little dead horses that are just rising off the ground. And they're like, hey, we're going to stop you today. We're going to stop you just a little bit. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> they're actually pretty cool, I think. Um, they're smiley little dead horses. <laughs> And they will stomp people. And this this spell, looking at the power, is pretty decent. Yeah. It stomps people as it goes across. And that's that's pretty cool. Because everyone knows, who anybody who plays cavalry knows that uh, the horses do more damage than the people that ride it. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that's pretty cool. All of these so far, um, the, the goblet model or the chalice, whatever, I think is okay. I don't... Th- I don't think its ability is that great, and the model is just kind of meh. So, I'm alright with it. What do you think about it? Yes or no? I, I like the cup, and I also like that uh that gate that also comes Whoa, with it. Whoa, you're jumping ahead. So, the uh, cup. Oh, the cup? Um, yeah. I like how it's got, like, skulls and rib cages on it. So, you do like it? Yeah. Eh, I'm alright with it. What about the horsies? The horsies, I definitely like them, because they're just... They're just smiling. <laughs> they are smiling. <laughs> um, yeah, I like the I like the horses too. Now let's get to the gate, the barricade. Unfortunately, uh, at the time of this recording, uh, Games Workshop, I guess the PDF is messed up on the website, so I can't actually see what the abilities of this barrier are. But describe the barrier to us, Cron Junior. Uh, the barrier looks like some broken like graveyard gate that you would see. And uh, it's got, like, all these human skeleton body parts with uh, flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what it does, but I think it's pretty cool looking. Yeah. Um, that's the type of thing that it actually makes me want to make, like, a terrain piece with a, um, like, a graveyard. And yeah. outside around the fence is all these dead body parts. Yeah. Like, uh, that'd be pretty cool. You could just disassemble a few, uh, like... Is there skeleton armies? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's you also could, zombies. Yeah, you could just disassemble those guys and post them around. Yep. Um, the zombies have a lot of different bits that you could use for it. So that the zombie kit would be pretty cool. Um, so, all in all, uh, is this a want that or want that not for you? I would say want that for the, uh, the goblet, the horsies, maybe the gate. Okay, see, I'm I'm more of a fan of the gate and the horses than I am the goblet. You like the goblet and the horses better? Yeah. Well, that's a split decision from the Kron and the Kron Jr., but um, 
all in all, you are a want that for this yeah. set. And I'm also a want that. I think they're doing very well with their um their endless spells and um, making them applicable to the game. And especially the horses are a pretty decent spell. And their models look cool. They look like they'd be fun to paint with all that rotted flesh and all that on the horses. Yeah. And um, for some reason, I really like that fence with all the body parts. So, all right. Well, that is it. That's Endless Spells Flesh Eater Quartz. And we're both a want that and a want that for Kron and the Kron Jr. Thanks for being on, Kron Jr. Thanks. Bye. Now, here's an idea. In this edition of Well, Here's an Idea, the Pimpcron is joined by a bunch of people at Shorehammer, and we discussed how fear has been taken out of Warhammer 40k and how it used to play a much larger role, and then eventually it didn't, and now it doesn't still? Doesn't more, I guess would be the phrase. Anyway, it is featuring Mr. Matt and several other people that were at the live recording of the Shorehammer talk. Um, I'm a little leery to call it a live recording because, I mean, of course, it was it was like a live audience, but it wasn't a live recording because clearly you're hearing it after the fact. Point being is that this is just a short little segment. They bring up a lot of good points, and I thought it was interesting. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, there's one there's one stra- there's one whole angle that doesn't seem to appear in Eighth Edition, and that's fear. Fear doesn't matter, and it would be really nice to find some sort of way to, again, we're talking about the idea that the biggest issue is you got all those big blobs that can get all the re-rolls and all the stuff. If you could have some way to force your opponent to move, right? If you can say, no, you have to move three inches that way because I'm a scary, right? And then something like Night Lords could use that scare. You're not off the table, nothing like that, but you have to move away. You have to change your shape. So now you can't use the strategies that are all built around you being together. Fear used to be a huge thing. And it's nothing yeah. now. Yeah. Well, we did nothing back. Yeah. Everyone had, and they should not know fear. And everybody does. Yeah. With some Night Lords combos, you can get like minus five leadership, and that plays into almost nothing. You have to like <laughs> maybe get a Wombo combo that comes off once a game, and you're like, oh, great. A couple cultists ran. Great. Yeah. Oh, no, they're near Abaddon. Yeah, my they're only not units I killed uh, Battleshock. We got Abaddon three miles back. Hey, in my last game, the only units I killed were from Battleshock test, so <laughs> leadership is a thing. <laughs> I've seen fear go both ways, kind of like cover where in Old Hammer, I literally saw people lose games because one unit panicked, and that unit panicked another unit, and that unit panicked another unit, and now, you know, 750 of your 1,000-point army just ran off the table. And then, also, yeah. And then also in uh, one of the last editions of 40k, kind of like now, everybody was immune to everything. Like yeah. you're like, oh, I'm within 12 inches of my captain, who's within 12 inches of my sergeant, who's whatever. Screw it. Nobody, just no. Who cares? You know, like everyone was immune. Everyone had leadership 10 rerollable. That's what it got to. Yeah, just to reinforce, we said, and and actually not even realized it, but psychology's gone from the game. Yeah. yeah, like it, that was a big factor of things. You're right, things causing fear and things, and you could you could find sometimes like hook and crook, be like, well, this unit like zombies in in the old fantasy, they would chase everything on the board if they outnumbered it, and yeah. it was so broken, you know. And you're like, well, the zombies are weak, but you could never kill them all. And if if you won the combat by the battle results in fantasy, they would run away. It was just, yeah. and then they they didn't compromise. They just yeah, took it all away. But but yeah, I mean, having command points to maybe save a leadership save here and there with the command points, you're like, oh, that unit's broken. Yeah, but they don't have to. I have a command point. You know, where back in the day, you'd be like, that unit causes fear. I'm not going to mess with it. Or I'm going to yeah. try to shoot it. So you don't have tactically kind of kind of also to go back with cover. Like they, they seem to have very like the, the pool's gotten shallow for some of those rules almost too much to the point where it, it takes away and then you get stuck with all these auras and stuff that you know suddenly like well, everybody re-rolls everything and we, we don't have any cover and you're just throwing dice to the point where the tactics sometimes are, are I think harder to come by you know so so now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. It's just James and the Pimpcron here, and we are doing a segment on the sneaky, sneaky tricks that those sneaky snakes, the WAC players, W-A-A-C, win-at-all-cost players. And also the W-A-C-K players. Yes, the the WAC, WAC players. 
um, the tricks they pull in order to trick you into, well, you know, just generally them being a dick, but it's a, it's a subtle dickery. It's not, it's not like a full blown slap you in the face or throw your models or, or directly cheat. It's subtle ways to be a dick in this game. And oftentimes it involves luring you into a false sense of security, you know, or whatever. So what's one of the things that you've seen from WAC players? Um, so when I'm playing this guy and he's starting to lose and he just goes, oh, this was a fun list. It's a fun list. Yeah. Uh, I, that is, it's disrespectful to the people that you are playing against. Uh, it makes them feel like that the, uh, battle, you know, them winning didn't really mean anything, uh, because, oh, you're just messing around, uh, so... Oh, of course you lost, because you, you weren't really trying. Oh, he wasn't really trying, James. Yeah. That's the only reason why he lost, is because he really wasn't trying. Yeah. Um, You know, that is a real dick move, because you didn't start out with the game going, hey, let's just throw some dice and throw stuff on the field. You started out as a regular game, which you assume is you're trying to win. And then as soon as he sees that he's losing, then suddenly, oh, he wasn't trying this whole time. Yeah. Now, you know if he would have won... What would he have said? That uh, he that he beat you? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I beat oh, I him. Won. I won. Oh, I won. Yeah. Yeah. He'd never go. Oh, well, this is you know, I just happened to win. It was a fun game. No, he's not going to say that. Oh, this list is powerful. Yeah. Um, that's another thing they do is they downplay how many excuses we get when we are going to play with a whack player and they show us their list and they're like. Oh, uh, well, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not that many. It's only 17 obliterators. Like, it's not, it's not that many. It's, it's just, and, you know, look, look, I took, I took cast marines. Like, that, they're not overpowered. Like, ignore the man behind the curtain. You know, they, they kind of, like, try to put a little cloth over their really gross unit and go. Yeah, they're 20 phantom titans. Yes, they're <laughs> 20 phantom So, just James is taking a page out of my rule, rule book because he always says that. There's 72 revenant knights. Yes uh warlord titans is that the highest titan the biggest titan uh it might be the emperor class something uh, yeah yeah i brought my four emperor class titans <laughs> it's all my kids dressed up like transformers <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> anyway uh boy we got off on a tangent there but um what was i talking about oh so they always they try to put like they try to cover up like oh i just took this one nasty unit that's it this is one nasty unit but you well you know as well as i do looking at that unit that unit is freaking nasty yeah and you know that you know like i took my castle knight oh but you know i mean a bunch of guardsmen it's just a bunch of guardsmen it's no big deal yeah also um when that that big model is taking damage so oh this model it's uh worthless it's not it's not good at all oh how many times did i hear that from a certain person in our group about gilliman the minute his gilliman started taking damage he was like oh yeah gilliman needs a points drop he's no good he's just no good this whole army sucks yeah several times yeah that's why he sold him uh twice twice yeah (laughs) that's got to be another segment stupid things that players do because his whole track record is pretty dumb (laughs) <laughs> but uh anyway so uh what is something else that you see um whack players do when they're losing or whatever um you know they just uh they stop trying uh they you know because they've been beaten so they're like ah, i guess i'll not try anymore because uh, oh my once again uh the list is not good mm-hmm um, what about the people that, like, the minute that it looks like you're gonna win, they hold out their hand and go, good game, good game. Yeah. I'm done. Uh, yeah. And, and that, that's akin to what you were saying anyway, about the taking the victory from the person. Cause you were saying that, you know, all of a sudden your, your semi-serious game, oh, suddenly now that he's losing, oh, oh, that didn't mean anything, I was just playing. Yeah. Right? Well, it's the same thing. He's he's snatching victory from you, and neither one of us are hardcore competitive gamers. But I mean, if you're gonna win, you want to win. Like it's yeah. 
And when he makes little of it and goes, oh, it was no big deal. I wasn't trying. So he's taking victory from you. And the same thing, which I think is almost a little worse, is when someone does that. You'll be turn three in a game and they'll be like, all right, good game. And they just want to shake your hand because, oh, I did the math hammer. It looks like I'm going to lose. So let's not finish the game. That's a real asshole move. Yeah, they're trying to beat you with power and you're trying to beat them with strategy. And they get mad and... Yeah, and then they just take it away from from you. Yeah. So the only way they can get back to back at you is to take victory from you, which is a real asshole thing to do. Like you and I will finish a game like I have I have had my ass handed to me in certain games before where, you know, you're, you know, you're going to be by turn three or four. You know, you're going to be tabled. You know, you're not going to win this. And I just sit there and I keep rolling the dice because I don't want to take the victory from the other person yeah. and be an asshole about it. Well, recently we played a game where, um, you know, it was down to the, almost the last turn. It might have been the last turn. And I thought that I was going to lose. And so then I, I was like, oh, well, you've won this. And then actually we looked at the table and actually I ended up winning it. Yeah, that was, um, we were playing Grey, my Grey Knights that I've been playing versus his Gene Stealer cult. And because of objective secured and because honestly neither one of us had that much on the field left he was able to i had almost no troops left except the ones you shot off in the last turn and you had some um acolytes and things like that so you were able to spread out and grab those objectives and win the game yeah but we both i mean we were going to continue playing it we weren't going to stop but you know come turn four or whatever we're like yeah I'm, i'm pretty sure i won this and you're like yeah you won this and then oh Lo and behold. <laughs> and then that's when I was like, oh, well, it was just a fun game. I wasn't really. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah. Uh, do you remember one time that we went to the uh, a place called Bowie in Maryland? We went to the Bowie Battle Bunker. And um, this is a long time ago. I don't know, five, six years ago, something like that. And Loremaster Alex has never been a super competitive person. He really likes to kit bash. He likes to hobby. Yeah. yeah I mean, he just plays for fun. He, he never, like, I don't think he's ever been Actual, in a tournament. Actual real, real fun, not the bullshit fun. Well, yes, yes. Actual real fun just to throw dice. Um, I don't think he's ever been in a tournament, has he? He might have nah. done one store. No, I don't know. Oh. Uh, was it your birthday? Wasn't there the one that him and uh, Steve, didn't they tie? At, at um, uh, store number... Store number one. Two. Two. For, yeah. Well, number one for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was in that one, but that's the only one I've ever heard of. So we went up to uh, Bowie Battle Bunker up there, and uh, there's this guy playing Admech, and Admech Army is what he called it, although this was long before Adeptus Mechanicus had a codex. So I don't remember exactly... I remember he had a bunch of the Forge World Admech like, uh, symbols he put on all of his vehicles, and he had like a Tech Marine, and I mean, he tried to make it thematic in a way. But, of course, he had some nasty shit in his list. Uh-huh. And I've written about this before, and people said I was an asshole in Bell of Lost Souls because I did this, but whatever. Because, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little, like, uh, I'm a little, like, uh, ju- justice. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I always want to, I want to get back at assholes whenever I can. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Loremaster Alex was tabled in, I'm I'm going to say the first turn it, it might have been second turn or something like that. But he was, he was so close to table. There was no, he didn't have fun. I looked over there and also, you know, Loremaster was younger back then too. He's practically a kid and like, he's over there, like kind of just sitting there depressed and this dude's just rolling all over him. So I made, I don't remember exactly what the combo was. I think it was, I think it was, um, uh, Nemesor, Dr- Zandrak, Zandrak and, and uh, uh, Vanguard, Obi-Ron, Ibiron. I like Obiron because it sounds so weird. Obiron. Obiron. Zandrak turns around and, you know, Obi-Ron or whatever his name is right behind him. He's like, Obiron, what are you doing? So, uh, anyway, something to the effect of I, I deep struck with Obiron or Obi-Ron and, uh, whatever. I don't remember exactly. It was Nemesaur Zandrak in a command barge. Yeah, he was then, in a command barge back when you could do that yeah, with v- characters. Vanguard, uh, Obiron Ob- <laughs> d- uh, jumps up there with the, with him, within like what six inches of him, along with a unit. Yeah, and it was a unit of twenty warriors, and we and then I did other stuff. I forget what, but what I did was I specifically I saw how he was kicking at Alex's ass, and I felt bad, 
So what I did was, is I made a list specifically against what he was taking, and I was kind of an asshole in this respect, because this guy was an asshole. So I was like, oh, hey, bud, um, I just threw together a list. You want to play? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, all right. And I didn't tell him, obviously. And I made sure to catch him before he put any of his stuff away, like, because I walked up just as they were ending their game. Uh-huh. And I'm like, hey, I'll play you. I just, I just threw together a list. Uh, what are you playing? I acted like I didn't know, and... And then, and I kicked his ass. It was first or second turn. All of a sudden, he, I think the top of second turn or the bottom of second turn, something like that. Actually, I think my alpha strike was so hard on that. I think it was after the first turn that he, all of a sudden, he looked at his watch and was like, oh, oh, I forgot. I got to go. I got to go home. Uh, I got something to do. Um, the time slipped away from me. And I'm thinking, okay. Because cause think about it. There's no way. Okay, so if he came to the gaming store to play a game, you know you're talking three or four hours. And he played Alex for like half an hour or something, 40 minutes, something, something, a a very short amount of time. And then we, him and I played for a very short amount of time. And then all of a sudden he had to leave. Well, that wouldn't have even been a normal game line. No, it wouldn't have. So it was a real victory on my part, but I got a lot of flack. I wrote this in an article years ago about how I've dealt with assholes. And uh, I got a lot of flack for it. People are like, that's not right. That's not, you shouldn't be doing that. That's rude, blah, blah, blah. And I felt kind of like Batman. So I was fine with it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a Warhammer vigilante. <laughs> the, so The hero we deserve, but not the, <laughs> well, you know the line. The... Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's, uh, what else do they do? So there's the old trick there of, of uh, you know, oh, I got to go. I, I ran out of time. Oops. There's that. Um, what about when, uh, we've seen players do this where they claim that they're just making a fluffy army. They're starting a new army and they go, Oh, I'm just playing a fun list. I'm this army's just fun. I don't even have the whole army, blah, blah, blah. But then when they get it on the battlefield, um, let's say they're playing age of Sigmar and they specifically chose what they thought was the best battle tome. Uh, no, not battle tome battalion battalion. They chose the best battalion possible and only bought the best units that would fill out that battalion. And that is all the models for that army they own. And a year or two later, that's still the only models they own for that army. Now, isn't that an asshole move? It is. uh, But I've thought about doing that just when I'm starting a new army, just trying to collect the models in the, uh, you know, the little battalion things. Well, sure. Uh, just to have, like, because I don't know, I wouldn't know exactly how to synergize them that way. So I, f- I was thinking about just buying the battalion, but I never did. Um, uh, but also knowing you, I don't know any of your armies that is not is not over 4,000 points. I mean, you collect an army. Yeah. So eventually, yeah. even if you started out doing that as a battalion, you would soon have other units and things like that because you want to collect the army. Right. You're not just doing the cheesy-ass thing that you can do. Yes, yeah. Where we know at least one player in particular that, I mean, it's two years later, and they've never bought any more models because they still have their battalion, they like it, and... Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I don't like that. Um, so, of course, they, they disguise it as, oh, it's a fluffy army, oh, it's just a fun, fun army, blah, blah, blah. But it's funny how they'll still take credit for it when they win. Oh, suddenly, oh, yeah, um, you know, it was a serious game, and, uh, you know, I was really trying to win, and, hey, I've got all the time for this game, because I'm winning. <laughs> like, Want to do another one? Yeah. Take the same exact list, please. <laughs> same exact list. So, is there anything else you can think of that, um, that whack players will do? Uh, cry, I guess. I don't know cry well they do get shitty they get shitty when they're losing yeah um that's another thing what about the rules lawyering which of course is a famous thing everyone knows that whack players do that but i mean that gets old too because you know i mean sometimes they're right sometimes there is like a a, our gaming club or whatever we might have misread a rule or a seventh edition rule or something stuck in our head i mean it's possible they can bring about actual change and and oh we learned something we didn't know that but a lot of times it's just semantics like oh well it says if you may or 
and then immediately or whatever dude usually if i'm playing a game against a whack player and they i have a serious aversion to bringing out the rule book i just hate bringing out the rule book because it slows my game down like dude whatever just just do whatever <laughs> like i don't care if it works for you it also works for me it would have to be seriously egregious you know every unit in 40k can advance and then charge then i'd be like okay show me that because that's like a fundamental of the entire game yeah you know that they're bullshitting but if they're just saying oh you know whatever this what i don't even care i can't even i don't i care so little i can't even come up with an ex- example uh so i'll come up with one of my ridiculous examples that you know my seven warlord titans uh <laughs> But uh, usually, uh, my one thousand aberrants. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, my my seventeen hundred Nurglings. That would be an army, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, against my fifteen hundred and ninety-two Necron Scarabs. <laughs> We should make up the points for that. We should see what how many points that would be. Maybe it's an even game. Between me and Bliggity Bland Steve, um, we probably own that number that you said of scarabs. <laughs> I own like 45 scarab bases, and he owns a lot. Because remember, he used to do that that generator with the two, yeah. spider. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's weird. I've owned... This is off topic, but I've owned... Uh, all these scarabs for so long because I love scarabs and I've never once owned a spider. Hmm. That is the epiphany. The epiphany. The epiphany. <laughs> That's the epiphany. That's the epitome of not power gaming. <laughs> when there's clearly a synergy that is designed in the game between two units, I've played for 10 years and I don't even own the other unit. So, <laughs> but anyway. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Um, if you have any uh, sneaky snake things that um, whack players do, please write in and let us know. Pimpcron at gmail.com, facebook.com slash pimpcron. And the phone number I never remember, but please call into it because we need phone calls into this. So I guess that's it. Thank you for being on, Just James. No problem. Later. Let's get brutal. In this edition of Get Brutal with the Pimpcron, we discuss my 28mm free rolls user own model skirmish war game with RPG Lite elements called Brutality Skirmish War Game, but you probably already know that by now. I've beat it into your head over and over and over. Um, I'm taking a break from covering the uh, supplement book number two, Psychotropics. I'm taking a break from that to discuss what I've just released on our Facebook page which is the main place to get our files. And it is a new version. It's not really a new edition because all the core rules are still the same. But um, I wanted to explain exactly what is in this new version of Brutality. So one major, major change is that there is such thing as a command token that you can now use. So sometimes, you know, in order to create strategy in a game you have to give your players options you actually have to force them to make options and so in order to make this a very very tightly written game i very much limited the options for each model you know you can do something in the movement phase and then you can do something in the action phase and that is it well uh i wanted to add just a little bit of flexibility to that but i did not want to give everybody an extra action so what i'm doing is uh I also wanted to add some more importance to your leader because your leader is very important. They give you an extra victory point if you kill your opponent's leader and uh, so on and so forth. But I I have a new rule now, which is uh, at the start of each one of your turns, your player turn, you get a, uh, a command token. And that is if your leader is still alive. If your leader dies at any time and you have not used your command token, then you lose your command token. But if your leader is still on the board... And um, at any point in your activation for that turn, you can uh, give one of your models an extra action, either in the movement or action phase, that cannot be repeated. So they can't run twice, shoot twice, etc. But you could move, run, then shoot, 
which is something that you normally couldn't do. You could you you could move and shoot, or you can move and run, but you can't normally move, run, and shoot. Or move, pray, and shoot. Pray at an altar, get the objective point, and then shoot. Um, of course, this only works for one model, but you really it's it's a really great resource and adds a whole nother layer of complexity to it, and I love it. So we've been playing test the play testing the crap out of this, and it has worked out really really well. It hasn't been cheesable or anything like that. So. Um, so the command token is here to stay. Another thing that we've done is that, um, I, you know, in these supplement books, I'm adding uh, roughly, gee, 20 to 30 new items that you can get in the campaign mode in each one of these books. And I've got two books out already. So that's been 50 or 60 um, new items because there's like five or six per uh, area. And then each book has like five areas. So... Um, these items can add a lot of really neat character. There's, you know, one-use items. There's items that you can bring that, uh, you know, will heal people or whatnot. And it, it gives a lot of diversity to your characters. And um, I thought it'd be really cool to actually be able to introduce those to pickup games um, instead of just in campaign mode because not everybody has a group they can play campaign mode with. So the uh, campaign mode... Um, Items can now be used in pickup games if both players agree, and each warband can take one from one of the books. So um, that's not one per model, but that's one per army. And they're free, and you can bring whatever you want, and that adds a whole host of customization to your models now, which very much excites me. I also have changed um, a little bit to uh, the power of missile. And uh, the power of missile, by the power of missile, I command you. The power called missile, and it is a little more like, uh, it does, it's a little more like a shooting attack, but it's still generally weaker than ranged attacks because I, I want the ranged people to actually have a skill or a niche. There's no point to give all the support people all the abilities of everybody because then there's no point for the other units. So the um uh the good news about this though is it is a way to get around those real high saves if somebody has completely maxed out the save on their breacher well guess what this missile ignores saves completely now it's not a great chance um it, you know you have to roll pretty high in order to deal any damage but you start out with you know if you roll low it's nothing then if you roll a couple in the middle then it's um just a wound chart roll with no saves which potentially could cause a damage but you know whatever um what you're really looking for is that confusion or that agony or something results so that you know they they're messed up for a turn and um then of course you've got um where you do a, a wound instead of a wound chart roll you, you actually deal a damage and then finally if you roll a 10 you deal a damage and a wound chart roll with no saves and um you get a couple people like that that's that's pretty awesome so um that's a major major change and it's way more simplified than it used to be i've also clarified quite a bit of different rules um just streamlined them i haven't really changed them in their function but just explained them a little better uh time slip is explained much better much more clearer the um curse is improved and um what else there's a with a big deal is we've added a third wound chart which is very exciting to me i actually made an entire warband out of this third wound chart and um, it's called Burning, which, of course, was originally in my first manuscript, manuscript, in my first manuscript of Brutality, I had a piercing chart, a crushing chart, and a burning chart. But I just could not quite balance the burning chart with the other two. I feel like the other two are very balanced. They have their own skills, they have their own deficits, whatever, and they're very different, but I just couldn't get burning down for some reason. So I took it out for um, the the reason of you know game mechanics and balance well after three years of playing this game i finally figured out how to put in an extra balanced chart and um that's risky but it's high reward if you roll high and uh, or low for that matter so basically um part of this chart is that if you if you roll um certain numbers on this chart you'll either add deal one burning token two burning tokens or three burning tokens for each one of your wounds and what that means is at the start of that model's next activation, you get to roll dice for each of their burning tokens that are on them. If you roll a 1 or a 10, they take a damage with no saves, which sounds freaking awesome. The only issue, though, is that rolling a 1 or 10, um, I have playtested the shit out of this mechanic, and it's not quite as good as you think. Um, you know, it's only a 20% chance per dice, 
and you feel like, oh, I've got three dice, that's a 60% chance. Uh, not really. It's really three 20% chances. And, um, you know, typically, it, if you get a lot of tokens, and that's what you're going to have to do to play this, is you're going to have to get a lot of tokens on somebody. And um, in that case, then, you know, if you're rolling three or more dice on someone, you're likely to get a wound. Now, of course, you could get crazy. Last night, um, I was playing and rolled three ones for burning and just outright killed the person, which was freaking awesome. But unfortunately, that's not what's usually going to happen. But uh, these these have to either be removed from, you know, like a healing spell or they have to just like bleeding. They can staunch their own bleeding or an ally can. They can um, stop their burning, you know, like stop, drop and roll. They sacrifice their whole um, turn for that model and they can put out their burning tokens. Uh, the problem, though, is, of course, the burning tokens are going to be rolled before they get a chance to do that. So that is an issue. You're going to need an ally to try to put out some of those burning tokens or a healer to heal you. But um, ultimately, it's it's a very interesting thing because you're like, oh, man, it's like it's like baby bleeding, you know, because bleeding automatically deals one damage each turn you activate. And that can be staunched or whatever. But uh, bleeding is just one. You know, it's very hard to get multiple bleedings on someone. It occasionally happens, but very, very rare. And, um, but burning, you're going to be getting a ton of burning tokens. The only issue, though, is that the chances of actually going off is not great. But boy, when they do, that is a sweet, sweet thing. And once again, we were just talking about the breachers, because everyone's like, oh, breachers are great. Uh, breachers are okay, um, with a high save of eight or whatever. Uh, you know, that's really good, but there's a lot of ways that we can get around those saves. So, anyway, uh, that is basically it. Um, those are the main changes for this this new version. I, I keep trying to refrain from calling it an addition, but uh, this is the new version, and I'm super, super excited about it. So go on facebook.com slash brutality skirmish wargame and check out those free rolls, and it is very, very exciting. Uh, the last time I've updated this rule set was in May of last year, so it's almost been a year, and um, I will, you know, it's getting it's getting finer and finer tuned. I mean, really, I'm changing less and less each time. I actually added a lot this time, and um, there's a couple typos here or there, but there wasn't much to actually change to the core rules. So I think that's it. As always, thank you very much for listening to my podcast. I love you all, and I'll see you next week.